and welcome to Think Compliance. Join Amin and I today as we discuss Dopesick. Welcome to Think Compliance, brought to you by Ahmed Salim and Compliatric. Um, Ahmed, today we are talking about Dopesick. This was your recommendation. Can you give our audience an overview? Yeah, so excited to talk about this. So in case you're not familiar, Dopesick has to deal with Purdue Pharmaceutical and, um, you know, the the opioid crisis. And if you're not familiar with the Sackler family, we're not going to do too many spoilers, but um, it was initially a book written by Beth Macy. um, And it's recently been turned into a Hulu season, uh, one season on a Hulu television show. And I have to say, you know, what we do for a living sometimes is overlooked. Um, you know, people really don't understand and connect it to the real world. And, you know, this is a great example of how important checks and balances and what we do really is. So thought it'd be a good idea to kind of let everyone know about the book and the television show in case you weren't aware and, you know, give our, our very high level feedback so we don't give any spoilers. Okay, high level feedback. So just just to um, add some historical reference. So this is basically around Purdue Pharma uh, and their development of the drug OxyContin. That is correct. Um, they essentially put OxyContin out in the marketplace, and um, you know, as the book states and and the show shows, the show display. Sorry. Um, they were kind of the creators of a lot of things that we kind of attribute to pain management today. Really scary. Um, so one thing that we we talk about is, or one thing we focus on is the pain chart at a hospital. And that's something I didn't know is that was one of Purdue Pharma's creations. You know, the pain chart one to 10 with the funny faces that kind of display how you feel. So Purdue Pharma actually created the pain chart? Scale? Yeah, from I mean that's what the book states. That's what the show talk. I mean it's really just fascinating. I mean they they really kind of created this market for themselves, and you know anytime they're kind of met with resistance, you know, and once again try not to go into spoilers. I would really think it's a great idea for people to read the book and then watch the show. But they had outs, right? They found ways. I mean this was a well strategized plan, and this was uh, you know this was essentially a, a pandemic that has ruined a lot of the country due to addiction to these types of opioids. It's it's just tragic. Yeah, I think everyone, you know, everyone knows someone whose lives have been touched by that. Um, you know, what I found interesting was that Purdue um, somehow managed to get the FDA to make it another class of narcotics, so like a not as addictive narcotic, like a class two or something. Yeah, I try to avoid some of the spoilers, Dagmar. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, I will say that Purdue's relationship with the FDA and kind of how they've got employees to work for them and different relationships is something that was a bit surprising to me. Um, You know, we we've talked about this idea of moral character and ethics, and you know, you start to see how easy it is to really sway when you have money and resources. And and that's what it comes down to. That was Purdue Pharma's kind of um, mindset. They had the money, they had the resources, and they were committed to making sure they made a lot of money off their products. It's like they're they're doing a campaign, almost like a marketing campaign. That's exactly what it was. They did a camp, uh, marketing campaign in middle America 
Um, this was really hit hard in West Virginia and Virginia. And, you know, it shows, I mean, the stats are unbelievable about the addiction rates and, you know, the follow-up that Purdue had and how, how they were really pushing their sales reps to sell, how they got doctors engaged. Uh, when you look at the fines associated, I mean, I think they just renegotiated the fines, but I think it was initially a, a few billion dollars in fines. I mean, hefty, hefty fines, deservingly so. Um, but, you know, when you when you look back at this in the very start of things, they basically introduced OxyContin as a less addictive form of opioid that was supposed to have a slow time release and really help the patient out. And that's how it got into the market, right? This drug that was going to kind of really help patients. And it quickly evolved into a drug that was easy to abuse and even easier to become addicted to. Ahmed, talk to me about the role of a pharmaceutical rep. I mean, I got the impression, you know, that these pharma reps were actually giving doctors advice on the dosage. Yeah, and that's the problem you have basically anytime you have um, a sales team. It's a fine balance because doctors are always going to have that question. And I'm not saying it's wrong to always answer it. Um, you know, you have to make sure a salesperson understands the difference between, you know, providing guidance based on like quality studies that have been done by the company and then specifically giving advice on patients and what to treat and what not to treat. And that's what Purdue Pharma reps, sales reps are doing. They were essentially guiding doctors into prescribing habits and essentially telling them, hey, you should be giving the 40 pills or the 80 pills, not the 20, because we feel like it's better. This patient has this based on their pain tolerance and so forth. I mean, you're talking about prescribing habits, right? Not just the general training of when and how to prescribe. And that was promoted in pharma. I mean, they built up an aggressive sales team with this concept of they were going to make us billions of dollars us as in pharma, Purdue Pharma, not me, mm-hmm. um, with, with the training of how to do it. And there was no stopping them to do it. I mean, this led to such a, like a global crisis. I mean, how can, even with fines and such, how do you ever make up for something like that? Like how does, I don't know, I'm trying to like make sense of like how. You don't. I mean, this is a struggle we're still facing today. I mean, this family, the Sackler family, because this is a privately owned, from my understanding, company uh, with Purdue Pharma, only a single-handedly caused a pandemic that we're still suffering from, right? You have countless people suffering addiction, you know, countless people who have passed away, who will pass away, and it's just tragic. And, you know, it all comes down to just making more money. And it's just, it's just really sad. And that's why I think it's important because we always talk about why compliance is important. You know, what we do, how we connect it back to the real world. And I think Dope Sick gives us that platform. It's like Dr. Death, the podcast we talked about one episode, mm-hmm. right? You're seeing real life examples about, you know, what happens when things go too far, when people truly act unethical, it becomes life and death. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people make that connection based on you know, the, the standard um, misconception of what compliance is. And it's just hard to wrap your mind around that. Not to backtrack too much or do any spoilers, but, you know, in their marketing uh, campaign, their their slogan or their line was less than 1% per, 
become addicted. Yeah, I will say this without spoiling it. That was a huge, huge issue in that statement. And if you read the book or you watch the show, once you find out where that statement come from, came from, um, your head's going to spin. I mean, it's absolutely outrageous how they took the slightest of the slightest and tried to turn it into something that it really wasn't. Um, you know, the, we'll let we'll let you f- enjoy and read the book because it is something I think is important or the show and find out where that came from. I, I was in disbelief. Okay, awesome. I will look into that because I actually haven't finished the book. Any other notes on this, Ahmed? No, I would I just recommend, right? If you don't read the book, watch the show, support. I think these are great opportunities for compliance professionals to utilize and connect to real world, right? I mean, we're always talking about educating and a, a primetime show on on uh, on Hulu that is popular is a great opportunity for us to really show how important compliance is. Yeah, I'll put a link to the um to the book uh, on this podcast. Yeah. And I would also say too, right. I know we talked about this in the sense of it being a novel and a television show, but you know, these are real people who are affected and are still being affected. Um, you know, we don't take it lightly and I don't want it to be trivialized as me saying, Oh, look how great compliance is. No, I understand. And Dagmar understands that there's a lot of hurt and anger that's happened in the years, you know, as we talk about this podcast. So you know, if you're, if you know anyone, right, try to get them help. This is a serious problem, right? Like there are so many resources out there. This is something not to take lightly. We are not taking it lightly. Um, you know, this is just a tragic, tragic situation. You can probably put some links to resources in the podcast as well. Yeah. I think that'd be a great idea. Okay. Well, thank you everyone. Thanks for joining us, uh, for a moment of your day. Um, think compliance. Um, Join us for our next podcast. You can reach out to us on Twitter at ThinkComply. For questions, comments, etc., you can email us at info at